that's our staff, everyone. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have to worry about anybody leaving us anytime soon for an MBA contract, um, so that's good. Hey, for those of you who may not know who I am, once again, welcome to Crossroads. My name is Ross. A very special welcome to all those that are watching with us online. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and jump into the message today. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to go, and you can kind of bookmark that. We're going to come back to it in just a second. While you're turning there, I want to know, are, are you comfortable? Do you like who you're sitting next to today? Hopefully you do. We're going to be here for a few moments together. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, uh, hey, you look really good this morning. Even if it's not true, it's a prophecy. Now do me a favor, why don't you look to the person who was your second choice for some reason and tell them, I prayed all week I'd sit next to you. Make them feel better that they were your second choice. <laughs> All right, uh, I hope you're there, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, but before we uh, dive into that, we're gonna read a scripture that kind of just sets the stage for our talk here today. It's found in Ephesians chapter one, verse uh, 22. And Ephesians says this, and God placed all things under his, meaning Jesus's feet, and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. Everybody say his body. His body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Today, I want to talk to you just about the simple idea, the simple topic, his body, his body. If you would, please, bow your heads, close your eyes with me. We're going to pray over our time here together this morning. Jesus, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you, give you praise, and, and, and learn more about you. Lord, I pray that you would help me to communicate your word effectively today and clearly. And God, in the next uh, 30 minutes or so, that we would leave this place today better than we came in. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 I want to see who we're working with today. We're all the single people in the room. Single people. Where you at? Where you at? Okay, okay, look around now, I know you want to. Keep your hand up. Like, hey. Where are all the married people in the house today? Married people, all right, all right, all right. Married people, really excited. There's some newlyweds down here. Um, Man, I, I have been, uh, me and my wife, Nikki, who is our Connections Director here at the church, um, we just celebrated our four-year anniversary. Uh, and uh, man, marriage is one of the greatest things ever, but I, I'm gonna be honest with you. Four years is not very long, I know this. I don't consider myself an expert on the female gender, right? But uh, uh, being married has taught me a lot about you, ladies. It's taught me a lot. And uh, fellas, maybe you can agree with me here. Um, Ladies, if I could just uh, kind of get something off my chest here. Ladies, you, you are complicated. Watch out, you're going to get yourself in trouble, sir. Uh, You're you're complicated. Um, For example, guys, we know we have to be careful with what we say to our ladies, right? You got to be really careful. You have no idea. No idea how they're going to react sometimes. For example, one time I went shopping with my wife a few months back and we're shopping and my wife, Nikki, she grabs all these clothes and she takes them to, to, the, to the dressing room, right? She wants to try on all these different clothes and she wants me to go with her. I always feel really weird when I have to go to the changing room with my wife because I have to sit outside where she's changing and I sit down on a bench, right? And all these ladies who are walking by are like, why are you here? And I'm like, I am promise I'm not creepy, you know? <laughs> it's really strange. 
But I'm there and I'm waiting for her to try on all these clothes and, and, and my wife, she comes out and she does what every girl does when they're trying on clothes, right? She's barefooted, but for some reason, she stands on her tippy toes and she goes, babe, 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 what do you think of these jeans? My response to her was, honey, I believe that those jeans, those jeans look good. Because to any logical human being, the word good means good. Not to you, ladies. Nope. Good means, so you think I'm fat? <laughs> See, what I've discovered is that my wife, right, she wants me when she goes, babe, 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 what do you think of these jeans? She wants me to lose my mind. Oh! There is a God in heaven somewhere. Amen. You seeing this? You see, girl, get 10 pair, get 20 pair, buy the whole store, girl. <laughs> and what that means is, oh, oh you like them? Fellas, we gotta be careful what we say to our ladies, right? For, for instance, I would never sit across from the dinner table with my wife and look at her food and go, you gonna eat all of that? Warning, warning, danger. You don't wanna go there. <laughs> when she's getting ready, you don't say, honey, are you sure you wanna wear that today? Nope, don't wanna say that, don't wanna say that. I remember in our first year of marriage, we were, we were in a fight or a, a verbal joust as we like to call them. And I don't know what came out, I don't know what came over me, something came out and I was trying to pull it back in, but I couldn't stop it. And I said, right now you sound just like your mother. I thought, oh buddy, you've done messed up. See, I, I know that there are some things that I just cannot say to my wife. I would never say to my wife. It wouldn't even make sense, right? I would never look at my wife and go, honey, today your face, oh, it just looks gorgeous. I'm just not really feeling the rest of you, right? How many of you know that would not go over well for me? <laughs> Yet, I hear Christians, especially in the church world, say this all the time. I, I love Jesus I don't really want anything to do with his body. See, this doesn't make any sense. If you say, I, I like Jesus, but I don't like his body, which is the church, which is a metaphor we're kinda, kinda, kinda gonna stick with today. But you can't say that you like Jesus, but you don't like his church. These don't, these, this doesn't make any sense at all. The truth is that God cares a lot about his body. He cares a lot about his church. In fact, I would argue that his church has been the plan from the very beginning. God's church has always been his plan. If you look at the word church in the dictionary, it would actually tell you that it is a building or a place meant for worship. And I get that, I understand it, but this is not the kind of church that we're talking about here today. It's not the kind of church that the Bible actually talks about. The Bible, every single time it talks about the word church, it uses this word found in the Greek called ekklesia which means an assembly, the whole body of Christian believers. 
Now, how many of you know it's not about the place, <laughs> it's about the people. It's not about what you're coming to, it's about what God is doing through you. If we can understand this concept that, that, that the church has always been God's plan, and you and I, we are his body, we are the church, then that must mean, hello, that you and I, we are God's plan. Yet I hear young people, remember I'm a high school pastor, I hear young people say this all the time, I don't like going to church because church is boring. Do you understand saying church is boring is one of the dumbest things you could ever say? Here's why. Because you are the church. <laughs> I'm not boring, maybe you're boring, I don't know. <laughs> I hear people say this all the time too, young and old. I don't like going to church because church is full of hypocrites. Just now figuring that one out, buddy, okay. Of course the church is full of hypocrites. This is the reason why we need Jesus. Hypocrites are people who say one thing and do another. Guess what? We all do that. <laughs> I don't come to church when I'm all prim and proper and put together and my life is perfect. I come to church to remind myself that I serve a God who has never done anything hypocritical, yet he is willing to work with a hypocrite like me. I'm a part of his plan, I'm a part of his purpose, and I'm a part of his body. This is what the church is. And you and I are his plan. Today we're gonna kinda settle on this metaphor that the church is his body. And today I have three points, three reasons why I believe the Bible talks about that we are his body. Number one, hope you're taking notes. There's a special little gate in heaven for people who take notes. It's like a little fast pass like Disney. Number one. I believe we're called the body of Christ because number one, every part serves a function. Every part serves a function. I told you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're gonna start reading in verse 12. And this is what Paul, the writer of Corinthians, is saying to us. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. There it is again. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now, he starts to personify all these body parts. He says, now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Paul, the writer of 1 Corinthians, it sounds like he's kind of saying the same thing over and over and over again, just trying to say it in many different ways, because I think that he wants us to understand something. See, he's writing actually to a church back in his day, so let's imagine for a moment that Paul is actually writing to us, and he's talking about how every part actually serves a function. What does this mean for you and I today? That you actually have a part to play in the body of Christ. You have a specific function. You were made uniquely by a unique God for a unique purpose. Hear me today. You are not an accident. The way that you are wired is 
that you were wired that way for a reason. You have specific gifts, you have specific talents, you have attributes that God wants to use for his glory. And just how a body has different parts that all work and function, this is the way the church works. But I know what many of us are thinking, we go, ah, you know, I know the gifts maybe that I have, I don't really know how they fit in the church. Maybe you don't know the gifts that you have, and you don't know maybe what God has done, why he has wired you a certain way. And there are many of us, maybe, uh, I know you're thinking, well, how do I even like, what's my function in the body of Christ? How do I discover that function? I'm so glad you asked. Paul, he tends to use these two words a lot in the Bible when he's talking about church leadership. It's two words, and I'm gonna read them in the Greek, and I'm gonna try my best to pronounce them. It doesn't mean that I'm saying them correctly, but these are the two words that Paul uses a lot when he talks about church leadership and getting involved in the church. The first word, doulos, a servant or a slave. This is what it means. Second word, diakonos, which means someone who waits at a table. I'm gonna be honest with you, I look at this and I go, no, thank you, Paul. I don't want to really want to do that. I don't want to be a servant. I definitely don't want to be a slave. I don't want to wait tables. I want to be waited on. In the natural, we look at these words and we go, no, 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 this is not what I think of. This is not what I want to do. But the more and more we start to operate in the body of Christ, the more we start to realize this paradox that if I want to go higher, I must first choose to go lower. That if I want to be first, then I must choose to be Last, what is Paul trying to get us to understand? That you and I, we have a specific function. We have a specific purpose and everybody can do something great for the kingdom of God. Why? Because everyone can serve. How do you find your function? How do you find your purpose? It's only found when we choose to serve. We say it like this in the youth ministry, saved people serve people. Isn't that good? Saved people serve people, not holy people serve people, not people who get paid to do it serve people. <laughs> Saved people serve people. It's something that we all do. Paul goes on and he starts to personify the different parts of the body and he asks these questions that are very similar to like, what if a hand wanted to be a foot? Think about it, wouldn't it be really weird if maybe your elbow wanted to be your kneecap? How many of you know that couldn't happen even though they're close to doing the same thing? It wouldn't work, why? Because that's not the elbow's function. That's not the elbow's purpose. What Paul is trying to say to you and I today is be you. Don't try to be anybody else. Walk out the gifts and talents that God has placed on the inside of you. Be you, man, if you have a big personality and you love people, oh my goodness, we can so use you in the body of Christ. You can go at the door, you can greet people, you can high five kids as they're coming in the door, you can shake people's hands, make them feel good on their way in and out. You can go and drive a golf cart around and chat it up with people as you bring them from the back of the parking lot to the front. This is what it's all about. Man, if you love kids, oh my goodness, we have so many opportunities for you to begin serving in our kids' ministry. We need people who care about the future generation. If you love to be organized, right? Oh my gosh, come and help me. I need help. What Paul is trying to get us to understand is be you. You can all do great things for the kingdom of God. If you begin to serve, you'd be surprised at how God would use you. And this is what Serve Tour is all about. We do this monthly gathering here at Crossroads called Serve Tour where you can actually go and find out maybe what your gifts are and how you can be involved in the body. There's actually one going on right now. 
The problem with a lot of us, though, is we don't like our gifts, right? We don't like our talent. I, I, I don't like my personality. I like his personality better. I don't like my talents. I wish I had her talents. But Paul is saying, no, 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 get this. If you be you and don't try to be anyone else, then God can use you to do things that no one else can do. I've discovered this, that God's grace is only on your race. God's grace for you is not on somebody else's race. The grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where people tend to water it. And what's amazing about the body is that when every part starts to fulfill its function, then the, the body can do amazing things. Number one, I believe that we're called the body because every part has a function. Number two, I believe we're called the body because every part is connected to another. If you continue to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're gonna read verse 20 again, it says, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye, again, personifying the body parts, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so there should be no division in the body. Hmm, that's good. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, I love this part, if one part suffers, then every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What is Paul trying to get us to understand? That you need the person to the right of you. You need the person to the left of you. You need the person behind you. You need the person in front of you. We need each other in this body. We are in this thing together. He even says in here that, you know, all parts of the body, that in some ways they are equal. I look at this and I go, Paul, I don't really know about this. Toenails, Paul? Really? We need those? But here's what's crazy. Here's what I figured out is that a lot of times we don't notice parts of the body until something starts to go wrong. When I was in college, I was playing soccer with some friends and we were playing on this like uneven field and I think I, I sort of like stepped in a hole or something and my ankle kind of went to the left and I heard this loud pop. And immediately I felt this pain. I thought that I had broken my ankle. My ankle started swelling up really big. My whole foot turned like black and blue. I go to the, to the hospital, I get an x-ray and the doctor comes in and he tells me, well, Mr. Langston, you have not broken your ankle. I'm like, thank you, Jesus, you know? And he goes, actually, you've done something worse. I'm like, why Jesus, you know? <laughs> he says, actually, what you ended up doing was you tore a little piece of your ligament in your ankle that holds your bones together. It's actually more painful, and it takes longer to heal. And man, was he right. For six weeks, I'm telling you, I could not put pressure on my ankle, or I would feel it all over my body. My ankle, it could not move to the left or to the right, even an inch, or I would feel it in my fingertips. Sometimes it was even hard to enjoy laughter. I couldn't even laugh without feeling pain. It's funny, I, I realized that I had never woken up and thanked God for my ligaments. 
God, thank you for my ligaments. No, never, never done that. Until I realized how important they were and how much I needed them. See, after I realized this, I started thanking God in a whole new way. God, thank you so much for my ligaments that hold my bones together. Thank you for my ligaments that provide structure to this body that you've given me. In the same way, do you know that there are people that are serving, that are part of this body that we don't ever see, we don't ever notice? There are people behind these cameras right now that are making me look so good. I don't know why that's funny. Uh, there are people in, in, in the booths running all these slides, running these lights right now. You don't see them doing their job, doing their thing that they're volunteering for. There are people right now watching over your kids in the kids' ministry because they believe in the next generation and they're teaching them the word of, the God, word of God and they are keeping them safe. You don't see them. Do you know that there's a, there's a team that shows up called the communion prep team? They show up on Saturday afternoons at three o'clock, middle of the day. And then they show up on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. to do what? To fill up our little communion cups. And we don't notice them, we don't see them, but I can tell you, if we started to take communion at the end of service, like we're going to today, and we started passing around a bunch of empty cups, every single one of you would go, what's wrong? See, when I start to think about it a lot more and I start to think about how the body works together, man, I start thanking God in a whole new way for these people. God, thank you so much for these people that hold this body together. Thank you so much for these people who are willing to play their part and provide structure to this body. God, thank you so much for the people who say, you know what, you may not see me, you may not notice me, but I'm gonna play my part, I'm gonna do my function, and I'm gonna be a ligament for the body of Christ. Come on, can we give a huge round of applause to those who serve? in this body, thank you. We need these people and we need you as well. Paul goes on to say that when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. And on the contrary, when one part of the body rejoices, we all rejoice with it. And this is why I loved what we did today in service where we showed Marvin's video. I can't think of a better way to illustrate this concept. That Marvin was walking through one of the most difficult seasons of his life, but because he was a part of the body, because he realized I'm connected here, he had people in his life that also realized they're connected to him. And so when one part suffers, we all suffer. They came in, they prayed for Marvin, and they helped walk him through one of the most difficult situations a person can ever go through. Let us not forget that there may be people in this room right now this morning that are going through the most difficult season of their life. People who are fighting addiction. People who are fighting to keep their marriage alive. People who are fighting to keep their homes. People who are fighting the sickness in their own bodies. If that's you and you're here today, know that you do not fight that battle alone. We are in this together. When one part suffers, we all suffer. Here's what's so great about the body of Christ, though, is that he says, when one part rejoices, we all rejoice together. What does this mean? When you get the promotion, 
When you have a kid, when you get married, when you get a victory, guess what? That's not just a victory for you, but we rejoice together. That's a victory for the whole body. When you get a win, that's not just a personal victory, that's a victory for the whole body. We are in this thing together. This is the reason why we can clap at the end of Marvin's story. Because we're here to support one another. We're here to carry each other's burdens, as the Bible says. We're in this thing together. Let us not forget that. Number three, and we'll be closing here in just a minute. I believe that we're called the body because every part submits to the head. Every part submits to the head. One of my favorite scriptures found in the Bible is in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15, and this is what it says. The Son, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and get this, and in him all things do what? Hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Just how your physical body, it cannot take a step, it cannot move a muscle without your brain, without your head telling it to do so. This is the way the church should work. Jesus is where we find our purpose. Jesus is where we find our calling. We have a big calling as a church. We have a big purpose as his body. You know, when I was a, when I was a kid growing up in North Carolina, uh, we lived right next door to, to a big tobacco field. And oftentimes there would be snakes in that field and they'd make their way over into our yard. And I know that I look like a big, you know, like manly, kind of like, you know, like outdoorsy guy. I could just take a snake and, again, I don't know why that's funny. Um, but I don't do snakes, may shock you. Um, whenever I would see a snake in our yard, I would run inside and I would tell my mom or I would tell my dad. And immediately their response was to go out and grab a shovel and they'd go and take that shovel and with it, they would chop off the snake's head. That's how we would kill it. It amazed me, though, that even though the snake's head was separated from its body, the body kept moving. Really weirded me out. I thought, why is it even moving? How many of you know that the body separate from the head, which gives us its purpose, it moves, but it moves in vain. Made me think, man, I don't ever want to be a part of something that has a lot of movement, but has no purpose. Because friends, if we aren't careful, Sunday morning can just become a routine. It becomes a ritual, a tradition, a custom, something that we check off of our Christian checklist. But let us not forget that church is not something that we do, it's something that we are. Friends, if that's all church is, a tradition, a custom, man, 
man, this is nothing more than a glorified country club. But when we realize that we have a purpose, that we submit to Jesus, who gives us our calling, who gives us our purpose, man, it changes everything when you think about the church. We've kind of been settling on this idea that the church is called the body, but there's another metaphor used in the Bible when they're talking about the church. And it's this metaphor that the church is a bride, the bride of Christ. And I love this metaphor because of all the symbolism. You know, when, um, when I met my bride, her name was Nicole Marie Parola. If that's not an Italian last name, I don't know what is, right? But when we got married, her name, get this, was changed. Nicole Marie Langston. And I remember in our first year of marriage, I, I got pretty sick. I had this really bad migraine. And I remember I, I just kind of came busting out of our bedroom into the living room one day. And I said, babe, 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 I got a major migraine. I think I'm about to pass out. She said, okay, well, we need to go to the hospital then. We go to the hospital, I'm there, I'm laying in the bed, and this guy, nurse, is kind of talking to me and trying to ask me all these questions. He's like, on a scale from one to 10, how bad is your pain level? I'm going in and out of consciousness. I'm like, 25, you know? He's like, do you want morphine? I'm like, why have you not already done it, you know? I'm going in and out of consciousness. He's asking me all these questions. I don't even know what he's saying. And Nikki's there, she's right by my bedside, and she is arguing with this nurse and going, sir, stop asking him questions. Sir, stop talking to him, talk to me. Don't ask him, ask me, ask me. And this nurse, he looks back at my wife and he goes, ma'am, I'm trying to talk to Mr. Langston. And I said, oh, buddy, <laughs> you done messed up. My wife is an Italian from New York. She don't play. She looked right back at him. She goes, I know you're trying to talk to Mr. Langston, but right now you're going to be talking to Mrs. Langston. What was Nikki saying? She was saying, uh, uh, listen to me. Because when we entered into this relationship, we decided that we were going to be connected forever. And see, I used to be Mrs. Parola, but now my name has been changed. And if you want to talk to him, you can speak to me. If you want to see him, you can talk to me. I share his blessings along with his burden. And everywhere I go, I carry his name. Friends, I hope you realize that today, this, this isn't church. As much as tomorrow is church. When you go into your workplace, when you go into your school, that's where real church happens. That's where we get the opportunity to be the body, to be the church. There are people you walk past every single day in your school hallway that do not know Jesus. There are people you walk past every single day that are sitting at their cubicle that do not know the God that you know. But they do know you. 
Hear me today, I think that it is time for the church, his body, to realize this, that when I entered this relationship with Jesus, we decided that we were gonna be connected forever. I'm gonna be connected to the head. So if anybody wants to talk to me, I can walk into my workplace, I can walk into my school with boldness, I don't have to be timid. I know that I carry his name wherever I go. So if you wanna talk to him, you can simply talk to me. The Bible says that my old life is gone, the new is here to stay, and my name has been changed. And wherever I go, whoever I talk to, I carry his name with me. This is what it means to be the church. As you can probably tell, we've been very intentional as a church about this. Last week, we challenged you. Hey, what would it look like for you to bring two people and serve one. If you can't tell, Easter is Easter. Yeah, we, we know that. We're gonna have more people on this campus than we hope to have ever had before. So we need parts of the body like we've never had before. Also friends, we wanna swing the door wide open to allow you to be a part of the body, to discover your function. If maybe today that God is kind of tugging on your heart. You're thinking, I've never played my part. I've never done my function in the body. Today you have an opportunity. And I'm, I'm gonna ask you just right now, you can pull out your phone right where you are. Yes, we're giving you permission. Pull out your phone in church. And you can simply just text the letters CCC and space and the word Easter to the number 25827. Now know that this is just a foot in the door. We don't serve just at Easter, man. We are the body all the time, 24 seven. You have the opportunity today to be a part of the body. We also thought it was very fitting to kind of close out our service today by taking communion, remembering that we aren't the body unless we have the head, Jesus, unless he made the sacrifice that he did for us. Today, we're gonna to take a little bit of a timeout in our service right before we close, where you're gonna take communion right there in your seat. Our servers are gonna be passing around trays after I get done praying. And during that time, I'm just gonna ask you, ask you to kind of reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Maybe think about what's the sacrifice that now you could make for his body. If you would, please bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray over our communion today. Lord, I just thank you so much for every person in this room. God, I pray that you would help us to realize, Lord, that we are a part of your body. We, we count that as an honor today. Lord, would you help us to discover our gifts? Would you help us to discover our function and our part in this body? Lord, would you help us to realize that we are in this thing together, that we have each other, that we can bear each other's burdens, and we can also rejoice together. And Lord, would you help us as we take communion together today to remember that you are at the head. You give us our purpose. You give us our calling. Lord, we are nothing without you. I thank you for what you've done today, but I thank you ahead of time for the ripple effect that this is going to cause in our community. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.